Welcome everybody, this is Pastor Brad Starnes and you're listening to Equipping the Body, a podcast committed to combating biblical illiteracy among the church. And so today we're going to take a break from the book of Ephesians and this is simply because I want to do an example of how to study the Bible inductively, uh, properly, asking questions, writing down uh, thoughts, how to find the answers to the questions you have, how to break down a passage. And so it's going to be a great time together. And so I hope that you can either listen to this going down the road and kind of chew on it, and then when you get home, listen to it again, because you are going to need your Bible and one of your tools of the trade, a Bible dictionary. And I hope by this point you've bought a Bible dictionary. If not, again, you can go on Amazon, the Holman Illustrated Bible Dictionary, the Zondervan Pictorial Bible Dictionary, Haley's Bible Handbook, if you want to go real old school, Smith's Bible Dictionary. You can find any or all of those used for like six bucks on Amazon. So it's not hard uh, to find. It's a great tool to have. Okay, so... When I say inductive Bible study, I want you to think of this in three phases, okay? Three phases. Number one, observation. We need to observe the text grammatically, historically, blah, blah, blah. We need to simply see what is there, okay? Interpretation. We need to interpret what does the text mean, What is it trying to tell the reader? Okay. And then finally, application. How can I apply this to my life as a Christian without taking the text out of its context? Okay. That's crucially important. You can't get these steps backwards. You have to do them in order. Observation, interpretation, application. Observe, interpret, apply. Observe, interpret, apply. Okay, so to show you this process, I'm going to use probably the most familiar chapter in all of the Bible or at least the New Testament, John chapter 3. And I'm going to focus on taking these three steps through the most familiar verse of the most familiar chapter. And of course you know I'm referring to John 3.16. Man, I know people that don't go to church and atheists that that can quote John 3.16. So in order to remember, studying the Bible is something that you get better at the more you do it. And so we want to start super simple. We want to start with a passage that we're familiar with, that we know so that we can get really good at these skills and then take these skills and tackle other passages that might be more difficult, okay? So that's the reason. All right, first thing I want to do, uh, and I'm going to pretend that you don't know anything about the book of John, okay? It's not, I'm not trying to insult your intelligence. You, you might know the book of John better than I do, but that's the part of teaching. So I opened my Bible to the book of John, John chapter 3, and I want to read this chapter, and I want to interpret and apply this chapter, okay? So the first thing I'm going to do, if I'm studying the Bible, if I'm serious, is going to grab one of those tools, my Bible dictionary. I go to the J section. Simple. John, 
okay? And I've got a listing here, John, the Gospel of periods on page 440 in my Bible dictionary. I know you're not here with me, but I'm walking you through the process. And I go to my Bible dictionary and I say, well, what's this about? Okay, authorship, date, and place. All right, I'm reading through here. I'm skimming. I'm not reading the whole thing. And I find, okay, the author is John. Well, because I know a little bit of Bible, I might say, well, hold on a second. There's, there's two Johns that I'm aware of in the New Testament. You've got John the Baptist and John the Apostle of Jesus. Which is it? Now, we know it's John the Apostle of Jesus, okay? I understand that. But again, pretending you don't know anything about this book, we want to take our time and we want to do it right. Anything worth doing is worth doing well. So I'm thinking, okay, who is John? I skim down here, I find tradition. I'm reading right out of the book. Tradition holds the Apostle John to be the author, okay? So church tradition, and that, that's a reference to what the church fathers taught. Now, we're going back to the first century, the apostolic fathers, which were those fathers who had a direct connection to one of the original apostles, hence why they're called the apostolic fathers, Give you a quick example, a little church history. Clement was a apostolic church father because we know, and it's pretty much a verifiable historical fact, that he sat directly under the apostle Peter and knew Peter personally. Now, obviously, Clement's not mentioned in the Bible, but history, verifiable history, has proven that Peter did have a protege towards the end of his life, and his name was Clement. Okay? All right. Another apostolic father, Polycarp, who trained him. Tradition tells us John the Baptist. But again, don't let that word tradition fool you. It's not like this is a myth. You, If you want to bore yourself to tears, you can research the history, and it's pretty indisputable that John had an understudy, and his name was Polycarp. Okay, so anyways. So tradition, the church fathers say that it was John the Apostle. All right, and then we look at um, there's several other evidences, but we're not getting into that. We're strictly taking, we're going to take the scholars to heart that they know what they're talking about, that John the Apostle wrote. So now I know who wrote it, all right? When did he write it? I'm scrolling through here. I'm scrolling through here. <clears throat> and I'm looking for when did he write it, all right? It says between AD 80 and AD 98, all right? So there's a general idea. Now, I'm going to move past this because you may not be doing a quote-unquote book study, but you understand what I did. To find out the information that I wanted to find out, I went to my Bible dictionary, and I found the basic background information of this, okay? And it goes deeper than that, how that John chapter 20, verse 38 tells the purpose of the whole book. But again, we just want to focus on John 3. So I'm going to close my Bible dictionary. I'm going to set it off to the side. I'm going back to my Bible. All right. I'm not going to read all these verses, okay, for the sake of time. But I skim through John chapter 3, and I find a story, a narrative, okay? John is telling me something that happened, all right? Not necessarily giving me instruction, what like you see in the epistles of Paul, where Paul might say, do this, don't do this. John is a gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. They're the gospels, they're narratives. They tell the story of what happened when Jesus was physically on earth, okay? 
So I'm reading John chapter 3, and I'm coming across, okay, and I'm going to use verse 1 to do this. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. All right, I'm asking my questions. I'm making observations, okay? I'm in that observation stage. Who is the character that's just mentioned? Okay, Nicodemus, all right? Well, who was Nicodemus? Well, it says he was a Pharisee, a ruler of the Jews. All right, who? Well, now we move on to the question of what? Well, what is a Pharisee? Again, pretending that you, you don't know what a Pharisee is. I go back to my Bible dictionary. I open it up. Must have been divine providence because when I opened this one on my desk, it went straight to the P section. So I'm skimming through and I'm looking for PH. I'm at PH. I'm looking for PHAR. Okay, I'm there. Pharaoh, next page, says Pharisees. Okay, I'm about to find out what a Pharisee is. Of the three prominent, and I'm reading directly from the Bible Dictionary, societies of Judaism at the time of Christ, Pharisees, Sadducees, and Essenes. The Pharisees were by far the most influential. They were a strict sect of Jews, and it tells me what they did. The name Pharisee means separated ones, separatists. They were very strict. They were very strict in the scripture. They didn't get along with the Sadducees. They hated Jesus. They thought they were better than everybody else. Of course, I'm paraphrasing. But it's telling me everything I want to know about a Pharisee. Okay, back to the text. So now I know who Nicodemus. I know what. He's a Pharisee. And I'm, and I'm moving on. All right, so the same came to Jesus by night. Who? The same. I'm in verse 2. Who's the same? Nicodemus, okay, what, remember what, that question you got to ask, what did he do, says he came to Jesus, now I'm not going to go who with Jesus, you know who Jesus is, all right, when, well he came to him by night, okay, so I've got who, what, when, why, why'd he come to him, and you read through here and he has some questions for Jesus, okay, so now I've got who, what, when, uh, and why, okay, he came to ask questions. Now, how and where and so what, you're not going to get every one of these questions answered in every passage. But, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you see what I'm doing. I am asking questions, making observations. Now, you need to keep an observation sheet if you're going to be serious. So I've got a sheet of paper on my desk right now, and I write down observations. Simple. Who? Nicodemus. What? came to Jesus by night. What is he? He's a Pharisee. What's a Pharisee? And I'm just writing these things down. You don't have to write them all down. Just to hit the highlights, big picture stuff, okay? And I'm going through here, and I'm answering the questions, the informative questions, all right? Now, now that I've kind of bored you to death with how to study, how to make observations, let's get down to our main verse we want to cover, and then we'll go through the entire process. John 3.16. I'm going to read it for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 3.16. Read to you in the King's English. Plain as I can read it. Okay? And so I'm focusing on this verse. I've got my context. Okay? There's a guy. His name's Nicodemus. He goes to Jesus. He's a Pharisee. 
I know that Pharisees didn't like Jesus. Well, then why is he going to Jesus? He had questions, all right? So I've got my context, got my background. Now it's time to dig into this specific verse. You go back to the observation question. What about interpretation application? We'll get there. Stay with me, okay? Stay with me. Observation. For God so loved the world, okay? Who? God. What did he do? So loved. Who did he love? The world. All right, so just, just this one phrase. For God so loved the world. Now, we know the word for is a conjunction that can also imply what? Because. So I could say, because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now I've uncovered another question. Why? Why did God give his only begotten son? Because he loved the world. What? I'm going back to the question what? What did God do because he loved the world? He gave his only begotten son. Okay? So, now you can also do it this way, not just ask questions, though I would say that's probably the most important. Okay? I know this ain't a seminary classroom. I'm just trying to help you with basic Bible study skills. I remember when I was in the Navy, the MCPON, that's the Master Chief Petty Officer of the Navy, he gave a speech and he said we need to be brilliant on the basics. I'll never forget that. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, when we're studying our Bible, we need to be brilliant on the basics. Okay? So that's the point of this podcast, and it always will be. I want people to be able to study the Bible for themselves and actually do a decent job at it so that the Word of God can change them and through the power of the Holy Spirit conform them to the image of Christ. Okay, I'm going to stop running rabbits, I promise. I'm a Baptist preacher. That's what I do. I run rabbits. Anyways, so let's look at it grammatically. Okay, what's my subject? Just in this first phrase, okay, forget the rest of the verse just for a moment. My subject is God. Okay, God's doing the action. All right, so subject is God. What's the verb? I, let me. Is there a verb? Okay, loved. He's that's the action he's performing. He so loved. Okay, so now I got my verb. So loved. Pause. Just listen. We're not going to go any deeper than that. Just by identifying your subject and verbs in your passages, not just in one verse, but in multiple verses, you will begin to more fully understand the passage. You say, Pastor, it's not English class. I realize that. But the Bible is a book. And you read a book in its grammatical context, in its historical context. The Bible is a history book in a sense. It's telling you the history of Christianity, Jesus Christ, God, the world, etc., etc., blase, blase. And so you apply those same skills. Okay? Nehemiah 8.8. They read the text and gave the sense of it. They gave the meaning of it. That's proper Bible study. You don't go and find a word and then build a whole doctrine off one word and come up with all this weird stuff. You read a verse, Bible, one verse at a time, one phrase at a time, breaking it down. All right? Back, back, there I go, running rabbits again. Back to the point. Okay. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Okay. That, 
here we go with the why, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Okay, Pastor Brad, why did God give his son? Because he loved the world, okay? Why did he do that? Why did he love the world? Why did he give his son? What is the result of that? Just read it. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Okay, who? Whosoever. Should I really explain what that means? That means whosoever, anyone, anyone that truly believes and repents and accepts Christ, God will save them because he loves them. Okay, how do they have eternal life? There we go with our question, how? Well, by believing in the Son that God gave. And I'm going to give you the answers to the test. We know who the Son is, don't we? Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. All right. What kind of life? Everlasting life. So what do we get out of it? Everlasting life. You say, Brad, it's, it can't be that simple. It really is. If you will slow down and read your Bible, ask questions and make observations, ask grammatical questions, but ask interrogative questions. Yes, Sir, yes, ma'am, boys and girls, you will begin to understand more. You're not going to be a Bible scholar. You're not going to understand it all. I don't know anybody that understands it all, but you'll understand more than you ever have, and that's the point of this podcast. So, all right, I have beat this observation. And, and let me say this. Observation is very important because without proper observation, you will not get the proper interpretation. All right, so let's move on to this next step, interpretation. What does it mean? All right, what does this text mean? Well, and I know it sounds like I'm being sarcastic, but I'm not. It's just you're real familiar with this verse, so it's kind of common sense. It's right in front of us. This passage means that God loves the world and that he gave his son to die for them, to forgive them of their sins. And that if they believe in them, they'll have everlasting life. Let's go a little deeper in our interpretation. This means that apparently without believing, you will not have eternal life. Let's go a little deeper. So this means, my interpretation is, that we must need saving. Or that we must be born in a state where we don't have eternal life. That we are sinners. Okay, now we're getting into some theology. Some doctrine. Original sin. That is how you interpret. You say the interpretation sounds a lot like the observation. It should if you do it right. Yes, sir. If your interpretation does not match your observation, you did something wrong and you need to go back to square one. Okay. Finally, Let's get to the application. All right, because this is the part everybody wants. What do I need to do with it? What do I need to do? Okay, Pastor, you've explained it. What does it mean to me? Well, I'm glad you asked. Are you a whosoever? Yes. Are you part of the world? Yes, I'm a human being. Okay, then. God loves you. And if you believe, you will be saved. So the application is right in front of your face. Do you believe? Have you believed? 
Have you accepted Christ? That's how that applies to your life. You're no different than Nicodemus because he said whosoever, and he said the world. All right? There's your application. Now, we look for another application. What can, what, that's what I do personally. Does this, does this passage, does it relate that I should do something else? Now we go back to our context. Who's giving the information? Jesus Christ. Who's listening to the information? Nicodemus. All right. You read the rest of the passage. I'm not going to because I'm already out of time. But he wants Nicodemus to be saved. Ah, there's our next application. I've applied it personally. I'm saved. I believe in Jesus Christ. I've repented of my sins. And he loves me and died for me. Roger that. We got it. Now, all throughout the Bible, we're called to imitate Christ, right? Okay. What did Christ do? He shared the gospel with Nicodemus. Put two and two together, my beloved. We should imitate Christ. We should be sharing the gospel with our Nicodemuses. And they may not be named Nicodemus, but you get the point. We should be sharing the gospel with other people. Why? Because it's what Jesus did. We observed the text, looking at the context, looking at the whole chapter, okay? We interpreted the text. We applied the text. I want to make one more point about why I went to the trouble of getting a Bible dictionary and looking at who wrote it, when they wrote it, and why they wrote it. Bible dictionary says the purpose of it is evangelistic. Okay, if you have a copy of God's Word, go to John chapter 20. I promise you we're almost done. Go to John chapter 20. You'll have to excuse me. I'm, I'm turning in my Bible as you are. Okay, here we are. John chapter 20, verse 31. I said 38 earlier. I don't know why I said that. I'm sorry. Uh, it's been a long week. And if you opened your Bibles, you'll find out that there is no John 20, 38. So John chapter 20, verse 31 gives you the reason for the whole book. John says, But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing ye might have life through his name. Now you will see, see how that connects with John 3.16? Now you see the reason that we look at the book level context to find out what the book is about, what's John trying to accomplish, and now it makes perfect sense why he gave us the story of John chapter 3. That is the importance, my friends, of context. That is how you observe, interpret, and apply God bless you. I love you. Please share this podcast. My heart is to help people study their Bibles so that we can combat biblical illiteracy within our churches. Not just my church, but your church, your friend's church, grandma's church, uncle's church, whatever. So please share the podcast. God bless you, and I hope you have a wonderful day.